Everyone, welcome to the 24th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors, and I also have a raptor in my living room, but <laughs> he's he's not participating today. He's got a mox to prepare for, so he is buckled down. He's doing a lot of testing. Not playing Magic, but, you know, other games, just to get in that mindset, I think. What game is he playing? Uh, a game called Dream Quest. What, what is that about? I don't know. It's As it was described to me, it was a game that was made for children who are learning to read and game designers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's about it. It has horrendous graphics, which is kind of the charm. It's weird. When you say horrendous, do you mean like old school 8-bit or like just actually bad? It, it's like MS Paint. Oh, okay. It's, it, it, is, it is a cross between 8-bit and MS Paint. So is the takeaway here that learning to read and game design are similar skill sets? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it would be very insulting to game designers everywhere if I said yes. <laughs> okay. I just don't understand, man. I don't know. I have a lot of friends who are just very addicted to the game, so it's like a dollar. All right. Well, there's uh, the, the GAM-sponsored endorsement. Not really. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when Raptor wins the mocks, you can you can thank DreamQuest, I guess. But... <laughs> Anyway, we both went to a tournament last weekend, both were at SCG Indy, and Todd Anderson was not there, because he sucks. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to hold back on that one, Just that's yeah. just the truth. So the crew was me, you, Tom Ross, Todd Stevens, and Dan Musser. Yeah, cr- critical uh, last minute pickup of Dan Musser for our floor, and it just, you know, it was just a dream. Yeah, I, I don't know where the weekend would have been without Dan, but I kind of got annihilated, and I blame that all on me. Because I played, like, garbage. And I don't know why. What happens when you play pretty well one weekend and then just, like, straight garbage the next? But thankfully, I was able to convince you to also play the Death Shadow deck, and you made the top eight. Yay. Yay. Deck's a lot of fun. Really interesting. A lot of uh, small sequencing stuff. So definitely appreciate your help the night before, just looking at some opening hands and kind of figuring out how to bobble fetch Street Wraith. That stuff's really important. How long was it before you actually felt good? You didn't feel like you were second-guessing yourself a lot of the time? like Probably about round five or six. Okay. And you had one buy, right? So, like, four or five rounds? Yeah. I did randomly encounter, like, some weirdo hands, like, triple Mishra's Bobble, where I, you know, that's just doesn't happen very often. I was I had to think about those, but for the most part, the general sequencing was down by round five or six. Okay. After that, you felt pretty comfortable, and then do you think... The, the deck got easier to play, or you felt more comfortable, and therefore, like, you were winning more often as a result, or you were not giving up, like, small edges or anything? Probably mostly the small edges part. Like, in round two, I'm on camera, which is my first game playing the deck, and, like, I don't shock myself with a land, I'm pretty sure, and at one point, whereas, like, four hours later, I would have immediately shocked myself, for instance. Okay. So, yeah, that can definitely come back to bite you, but eh, it doesn't take that long. Yeah, just little stuff. Once you're kind of like used to the power level of the deck and how the deck operates, you kind of get more courage to take aggressive lines, I'd say. Yeah, for me, I, I'm still a little conservative if I don't actually have access to a Death Shadow. Like if I don't have Death Shadow itself or Traverse, like there might be times where, you know, I just like kind of hover at 10 or something instead of just jamming every time. Yeah, it's legit. I mean, it depends on the matchup, too, of course. Like, if your opponent has, like, steam vents or something along those lines, then you're probably a little bit more conservative. But in most matchups, like, you don't really get punished for being at a low life total. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I I found that to be more true so at the Grand Prix, 
than at the open. It seemed like the open, like people were playing a little bit more of aggressive decks rather than the Grand Prix was just like, oh, I'll play against Eldrazi and then Scapeshift and just like all these decks that don't really care about your life total or they're dealing you like 10 or 20 damage in one turn, you know, and you just have to prevent that. Yeah, I played against Burn maybe three times. I think it was twice and Zoo once and Affinity once. So I got a nice little spread of all the aggressive decks. And how'd those feel? Dude, Burn is so much fun. Like, that's just an awesome matchup. It's a total blast to play. Yeah, I, I do really enjoy it, because it's just like, a lot of it is juggling your own life total and seeing what they're capable of, and then trying to figure out how you can maybe maneuver into a situation where you could peel Battle Rage or whatever, and then post-board you have to play around Deflecting Palm and just all this stuff. And if you, like, ever draw, let's say, like, your top 35% ceiling of draws, then you can kind of just, like, check mark your opponent and play around literally everything. Because you usually yeah. have information on their hand, so it's pretty cool. Yep. Overall, you would say those matchups are your like you're a favorite or what? Definitely a favorite. I don't know. I think you said something pretty dramatic, like seventy percent. I'm I'm not sold on that, but I do think you're a favorite. G hash seventy seven, the guy that streams the deck a lot, had a spreadsheet of all the decks that he had played against and his win rates and stuff, and I think his was seventy percent against Burn, which is where I got that number from. Okay, word. Yeah, I mean, I do believe you're a favorite, but I'm not sure if it's that impressive. It's like, basically, if you have Death Shadow in your opening hand, I would very easily agree with that number, but if you're on the draw and you have to, like, deploy a Tarmogoyf on two, like, sometimes it can be kind of sketchy. Yeah, I, I had a lot of Death Shadow draws at the Grand Prix, and it certainly made the game seem a lot easier, and then kind of during the Open, especially against Burn, I had the Tarmogoyf draws, which are way more difficult. We only played one Battle Rage, which... Now, I do believe is a mistake, and I think I would play two. And at the Grand Prix, I think I either had, like, a Battle Rage 1 game and a Rampager the next or whatever. But, like, I had ways to actually close the game. So, yeah, maybe the games are not as easy as I initially made them sound. But I also think that we kind of fucked up in building our deck and did not play enough Battle Rages, and that is a thing that we can change going forward. Okay. I'm not completely sold on Battle Rage being the problem with the deck, but I definitely feel like it was off by somewhere between two and four cards, uh, and the sideboard was was kind of bad, I think. Liliana the Last Hope, to me, was the biggest standout, just the card. I I drew it a lot, and it didn't do much. Yeah, I was kind of on the same page with you. I do think that that is a very important sideboard card, especially if you don't have Ranger of Eos. And for those who are not aware, we did cut the white from our deck, because Lingering Souls did not impress me. Ranger of Eos was the one card I did want to keep, but I didn't want to play Godless Shrine just to have it. And once I went to Last Hope's main deck with a third copy in the sideboard, it just seemed like we had enough things to grind that you didn't necessarily need to traverse for... A super high impact card, especially when it's like four mana, you might not even have four mana. It's it's like this weirdo off color thing, and like you have to take a turn off to do it, which the mirrors are grindy, but sometimes you can't even afford to do that. Uh yeah. I people boarded in Lingering Souls against me in the mirror every time and it kinda of felt like a joke, but I do agree that Ranger Vios would have been super good against uh the Abzan guy I played in the top eight. Yeah, I believe that. And then it's also kind of awkward, too, because a lot of their removal is Path to Exile, and they have Scavenging Ooze and stuff, so your Last Hopes are not a lock to actually draw you cards. Yeah, I, I drew it a fair amount in that match specifically, and I basically just rebought Street Wraith, I think, most of the time. Which is fine, but not great. You yeah. did kill Tarmogoyf with it, though. That's achievement unlocked right there. Uh, I did. I I really thought I was going to win that game after that happened, but uh, my opponent just had a pretty powerful draw. Oh, uh, well. I did unlock uh, Madnessing BGH in that same game, though. That was dope. Mm, okay, so a lot of achievements, but not a lot of 
match wins. I Not guess. a lot of victories. No. <laughs> yeah. How was the big game hunter? Pretty straight average. Okay. It, it wasn't bad, but it was like functionally Maelstrom Pulse with slight upside. I mean, yeah. it's clearly not a bad card. It's just it wasn't like a dramatic impact on any game. Yeah, it is not in my updated list. It did seem cute if the games were actually grindier, but just doesn't seem the case. You know, like there's going to be a turn where someone plays two threats and you just don't have the mana to contain them all. So like your best plan is always is just to try and kill your opponent. Yeah, a couple instances with both Big Game Hunter and Liliana came up where I couldn't double spell because of triple black requirements. Okay. So stuff like that can happen. I do think Big Game Hunter is specifically very good against Bant Eldrazi. I drew it in that matchup, killed a Drowner, that's clearly great, and it also insulates you from Blessed Alliance. Mm, nice. So Mirror Match, whatever, it's a fine card, but I think Bant Eldrazi is where it would shine specifically if that um, deck starts to pick up again. Yeah, fair enough. So you did not miss the white, basically? It was just the Abzan matchup where maybe Ranger of Eos would have helped? Uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I would say. I Again, I don't think Linger... Like, sure, maybe you should have Lingering Souls in your deck because it is fine against, like, Liliana the Veil decks, Abzan decks, whatever. But I would not board it in the mirror. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page. So if you don't want the white cards, more or less, then, you know, what did you not like about the sideboard? Um, I don't know. I just never brought in Fulminar Mage against anything. Well, I you didn't play against Tr- Tron or Scapeshift, right? That is correct. Yeah, clearly fine against those decks, but I don't know. It just seems so low impact. It's low impact. It is very specific targeted hate, but I do think those decks can be kind of scary. No, I agree with that. Like, But even in those matchups, you, you desperately need a threat to back up that card. Like, if you can go turn two Tarmacoy, turn three Fulminator, then sure, that's great. But I don't know. It just seems like a very specific scenario to me. Sure, but I mean, you need threats to beat that deck anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clearly fine in those matchups, but it's just not a good, like, hedge card against, like, control decks or things along those lines, in my opinion, like Ban Eldrazi or something. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I would not bring that card in in any of those spots. I, I think a lot of people did or do, so I don't know. That, that's basically Ooh. my commentary. Yeah, I don't like that. I think that's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what's going on. Yeah, you also just don't want that many threes in your deck. And you're already interested in, like, Liliana's because they're pretty good in those matchups, so... And K-Command's just, you know, a fine card that you're probably going to keep in in those matchups as well. So you don't want to have a post-port configuration where you have, like, six to eight threes in your deck. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. K-Command is the card that is generally, like, if I need extra... Like, if I have too many cards to bring in, basically, it is a card I will keep in, but it is not a card that I think is a sacred cow, you know? Like, it it basically, like, once you go past, like, the minimum requirements where, like, you, you get all the bad cards out of your deck... K-Command is next on the chopping block in a lot of matchups. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's only capable of being an A against Affinity, so... And, like, to some extent, like, Grix's control... Yeah, it's fine. Two-for-ones are good, but it still is a huge mana investment, and, like, discard a card is a solid mode, but odds are pretty good that they're gonna have, like, a semi-dead card against Death Shadow anyway, so it's not, like, a clean two-for-one like it would be in a Snapcaster Grix's control deck, for example. Sure. I think it's kind of silly to, like, count two-for-ones, right? It's just, like, does this, like, constrain the resources in a way that actually matters? Like, the deck is not winning on card advantage. You win so many games where you just, you have dead cards in your hand anyway, right? Like, you beat up on combo decks with dead fatal pushes, and you beat up on beatdown decks with, like, dead street rates and stuff. Yep. But is it getting an extra land that might help them develop a little smoother, or is it getting, like, the second lightning bolt that would allow them to kill a Tarmogoyf or kill you or whatever, you know? I do think the discard matters because they are generally so constrained on resources, at least if they don't draw Ancestral. 
it, it certainly matters, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is, like, multiple times throughout the tournament, I defaulted to discarding a card against my opponent, because that's kind of what I'm trained to do or whatever, but I probably should have been shocking them some number of the time. It all comes down to what matters more, I guess. Yeah. Surgical Extraction was whatever. Like, I understand why it's there, and it is versatile enough, and it has, like, some minor synergies with the deck. It's just maybe just the matchups I had, it wasn't particularly good. Yeah, I played against Malira, brought it in, it was good there. Uh, I think Dredge is a bad matchup, but it is a deck that not a lot of people play. Yeah, I played against it in the tournament and got very lucky to win without drawing Surgical. Okay, did you have Battle Rage or no? Uh, I drew Battle Rage one game and Rampager the second game. Yeah, okay, I think those are pretty important. Yeah, agreed. Team or Battle Rage being essentially just taking one more turn off the clock is all you need in a lot of matchups. Well, not only that, but it just actually gets you through. You know, especially something like Dredge, they might just be able to present a blocker every turn, especially if it's like Stinkweed Imp or something, and you just yep. can't get through ever. <laughs> My opponent actually had a, a stack of Vengeful Pharaohs, too, which is pretty nightmarish. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Which, uh, it, it also plays very well against Battle Rage. True. It, does it kill it immediately or end of combat? Oh, immediately. For example, if you're attacking with two creatures and you battle rage one of them, they can take the Vengeful Pharaoh trigger off the first strike and kill your other creature. Okay, yeah, Dredge seems pretty good. Yep. So for the classic, since I suck and did not make day two, I played Nile Spellbomb instead of Surgical, and I think I really like that change. Okay. Just two, I assume, not the full three? Yeah, I only played two. Like, Surgical, I thought, would help against control decks, just, like, messing up their Snapcasters, because it seemed like that was the only way that they could get enough interaction to actually deal with your threats so i thought that you could just board in one or two there and be fine and that's probably still true but i think nile spellbomb is just a better way to do it and it gives you another card for the mirror match which allows you to start cutting like the medium cards like k command yeah i like it it's uh you know helps you turn on delirium as well there's some small benefits in addition to it just being like a counter spell for traverse or whatever yeah, and then that kind of helps you just win the grindy war anyway. You know, it, it does a, a better job than K-Command is doing that. Yep, Abzan opponent in the top eight had two Nile spell bombs in the main, and they were very good, so. Yep, I believe that. So that is probably my one major takeaway from the weekend is, well, aside from cutting white, like, cutting white, I think, is kind of a big move toward getting the deck to be more functional because you get more sideboard slots. And then we haven't quite figured out what to do with those sideboard slots, but I do think moving away from white and towards Nile Spellbomb is where the deck wants to go. Sure, that's legit. I mean, the like incidental removal spells that are in our sideboard were not bad. You know, they're they're fine magic cards, but they don't really feel like high impact sideboard cards either. Yeah, I agree. I just I don't even know what kind of you know sideboard cards this deck wants. Like, it doesn't seem like you need a lot of high impact stuff because your deck is already super powerful. You're not, you know, lose. You don't have a ton of like super bad matchups, right? So it's like there aren't a lot of spots where you actually need high impact sideboard cards to compete. Yep. Uh, maybe moving forward, you want some way to address Leyline and Sanctity because that is actually a leg- legitimately good card against us. Yeah. You know, I considered that a little bit when I was building my deck. It was like, you know, can I actually afford to cut an Ancient Grudge for a straight Disenchant. If I do that, what do I want? Like, I don't really want Seal of Primordium because it's two mana, but I don't really want Nature's Claim because I'm trying to kill them. Natural State doesn't do it, you know? So, I don't know. Like, maybe it is just Nature's Claim. I do think I want it to be a one-mana card. If you're disrupting your opponent enough, like, odds are good. It'll only take, like, one turn off the clock. It might not even take a turn off the clock if you actually have two threats. So, seems like the drawback is mostly minimal. Yeah, I could see that. I, I was worried about Leyline. I was worried about, like, Boggles to some extent. Just worried about, like, 
weirdo enchantments because that seemed like what people were talking about doing to try and beat this deck. But instead, it played against like Mirren Crusader and just a bunch of nonsense. It's like not even good. Yeah, I got beat up by Mirren Crusader too. I, I mean, I think it's fine. Like, obviously, you can just tar fire it or whatever. But if you don't have tar fire, it's a massive threat. Yeah, so you played against a martyr deck, which I would not expect you to keep tar fire in against. I saw it game one, so I did. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's kind of fortunate. My opponent was like a death and taxes deck, so obviously I'm going to keep in all my all my tar fires and bring in extra removal and stuff. And he brought in a bunch of Oriok champions and Mirren Crusaders, which beat me up one game, but not good enough to win the match. Well, my opponent's stuff was good enough to win the match. Just Mirren Crusaders, Oriok champion, rest in peace post board. Nail in the coffin was an Archangel Avison of all things. Yeah. Just yeah, had zero ways to interact with her with fatal pushes in my hand. I mean, to be fair, you had a rest in peace against your Tarmogoyf and... Yeah, yeah, it was it was mostly just me getting beat up in comical fashion more than anything else. Yeah, we gotta stop sitting next to each other, because I got beat up there around two. No, that's not good. But then, like, a round or two later, we were, like, a seat away from each other, killed our opponents at the same time, and then went and got noodles, and that was great. Oh, uh, it was great, except then the noodles put me to sleep, and I threw away all my games. I thoroughly enjoyed my meal and then won the rest of my matches. Oh, gas. <laughs> we're, we're just gonna have to keep you full of pasta. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea, but it, it worked out this time. It was it was the nectar, the cherry vanilla Coke Zero. Ah, uh, yeah, love that shit. <laughs> well, maybe you know you and Tom talked about buying an NBA Jam machine. Maybe you should just buy one of those Coke machines. Uh, I I really got to pay my taxes before I talk about any of these machines. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I don't know. I think the deck is good. Uh, some minor improvements to be made, as Tom Ross put it. He's not sure if this is, like, a good deck post two weeks. You know, people can actually start to adapt in that time frame. I kind of agree with that to some extent. Do you think there are some legitimately bad matchups? You can, like, address some of the issues, but I think if people want to beat you, they definitely can. Yeah, but a lot of the if they want to beat you, they can involves changing decks. Yes. Uh, Certainly your argument of, you know, people just not being able to fluidly switch modern decks is legit i think if people are going to competitive tournaments and there are people who want to beat death shadow they definitely can yeah it seemed like this weekend people mostly just picked up the deck and it still did pretty well and it didn't seem like anything was too hateful i guess i i don't have scg top 32 open or anything but it didn't look that out of the ordinary to me i think it was 19 percent of day two which was 75 ish players was death shadow it was 15 out of 79. 15 out of 79, okay. And 9 made the top 32, 2 in top 8. That's interesting. I don't know. How did Sam end up? He was top 32 somewhere. Okay. So I guess there are two Grixis decks in the top 8, which is kind of hateful. Not really. I don't think Delver's a bad matchup. I think Control is bordering on a bad matchup. It's it's weird. Like, the, the Grixis decks and even, like, Burn, which I do think is a good matchup, but not as good as, like, 70% or whatever, is basically because... People don't know how to play against Death Shadow yet. You really just want to set up this like two to three turn burnout plan instead of just, you know, Sacred Foundry, Rift Bolt, Suspend, Go. Like th- that game plan is very easy to beat with Death Shadow. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, just like making it easy for them to play out their Death Shadows and start clocking you is not what you want to do. Yes. But there are there are also a lot of draws where you don't have that luxury, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I get it. But like... If, if you have a hand with three one mana burn spells, obviously you can save those up. But... Uh, one of the things I did notice was that at the Grand Prix, I was playing against burn decks that had more creatures, and those seemed to be much easier matchups. And then in the open, 
my opponents were just like straight red white and had a bunch of like bolts and lava spikes and no wild nacodles so sure i thought the zoo matchup was pretty easy so that doesn't surprise me basically a bunch of creatures that are invalidated by your creatures and are bad against your removal spells is a pretty easy recipe i think yeah just their best route to beat you is just like go wide and that's very rarely gonna work out yep i do think the grixis decks have a solid matchup just as a floor, Fatal Push plus Snapcaster Mage is a good way to interact, and they have really good top decks after you shred them with discard spells because of Colligan's Command, Snapcaster Mage, and they can always just have this backdoor option of Bolt Snap Bolt. So. Yeah, you also don't have great removal against Tassiger and Angler. So if, if they are successfully killing all of your stuff, you can't necessarily kill their stuff and just make the game be a top deck war. Yeah, your, your creatures are bigger, but as long as they can contain yours. Right. I mean, say you both have a normal draw, right? Where you both have, like, some creatures, some removal. Like, they're going to be able to kill your stuff. You can't kill their stuff. And then they're just going to beat you. Yeah, that checks out. So, do you want to just use this as a perfect segue into Grixis? Sure. Talked a lot with Ryan Overturf over the weekend. He had been working on a Grixis Delver deck with Death Shadow. Uh, Didn't do great in the main event, but tweaked his deck a little bit and got top four in the Classic. And I think his deck looks really sweet, even though I hate Delver Secrets. Yeah, I don't like Delver. I think this was like some Magic Online list I saw or something where it had four Delve Fatties, four Death Shadow, four Snapcaster, four Street Wraith. Four Delve Fatties, that's a lot. It is, but you have Thought Scour. Like, yeah. you, you, only, you only had two Thought Scours in your deck. I would just play the full four. Yeah, sure. You can go four Thought Scour, and then once you have Street Wraith and a bunch of Fetch Lands, then it's pretty easy to turn them on. But I, I still do have that concern that you're talking about. It's just like... You know, your creatures aren't necessarily bigger than theirs, and you can flood on Delve stuff. Yeah, to some degree, but my first step would just be to kind of copy the shell of the Death Shadow deck currently, and, like, morph it into Grixis and just have some Stubborn Denials and some Lightning Bolts, and not necessarily go down, like, the Delver route or the Threat Light route. Yeah, that's reasonable. I posted a list today on Star City that kind of has my initial thoughts sort of a hybrid between the two things you just described actually just lots of cheap removal snapcaster death shadow street wraith two tassigers i have rise and fall in my deck which seems really sweet to me even though jerry hates it i know see the thing is is i love it but i don't think it's good Ooh, you went down to two rise fall i'm looking at your article right now i don't know man just like bounce your opponent's thing get back your street wraith is as bad as it can be and like if people start going down these routes with these 18 19 20 land decks then him is like suddenly a legit card yeah, but what about Whispers of Emrakul in the Jund one? Well, you're not reliably going to be able to play it on turn two, even though it is actual Hymn to Turok when it's turned on. But you still have to, like, you know, jump through some hoops to turn it on, whereas, like, Fall, just assuming they're, they're a landlight deck, is probably just going to be Hymn to Turok. Yeah, I'm not about it. Dude, just, like, pick up your thing, play Death Shadow on turn three is, is a good turn. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I... In order to make that good, I think you need all the other thought scours, though. Like, why do you not have stubborn denial in this deck? I guess you only have six threats. Yeah, there's not that many threats. I don't know. Man- Manalink kind of strikes me as the worst card in the deck, so maybe that just shouldn't be there. And then I'm skeptical of Veil in this version instead of Last Hope, but I get it. Yeah, and I, I understand the counter-argument. I kind of addressed that. Uh, Lily on the Veil kind of plays better with the Jace Friends Prodigy trade all of your resources as aggressively as possible style of the deck yeah i, I just i just basically want to try a grixis shell of the same deck and have stubborn denial as the card that interacts with combo decks even if they have ley line and you know protects your threats kind of like a blossoming defense like 
Just all like Super Denial is just good against like all the modern decks. I think. I, I buy that. Basically, I think the takeaway here, semantics on how you want to build the deck exactly, is that Death Shadow is super good. Being able to build your deck to be eighteen to twenty lands and play Street Wraith Death Shadow and just have this very powerful threat that you know punishes your opponent for threatening you is super good and shouldn't be in lots of shells. And I think it's just unexplored design space that we haven't touched yet. Yeah, and Modern is in a place where it is not entirely hyper-aggressive. Yeah, you know, of course there's burn or whatever, but people aren't just, like, putting tons and tons of power on the board very quickly across tons of threats like Affinity or things like that. I think the format is one of the slowest places it's been that I can remember. Mm, Sort of. Dude, look at the top eight. It's like all Grixis and Abzan and Jun Death Shadow and then like an Ad Nauseum deck, which is a very fair turn four combo. I mean, you mean versus like historically with Eldrazi and stuff? I mean, that's legit, but... Yeah, and and then two Bant Eldrazi. It's just like all mid-range decks. I think it's just hard to be hyper-aggressive in a format that encourages playing Fatal Push and Path to Exile. There's just lots of good turn one interaction now. Yeah, the Death Shadow decks have a lot of good ways around that, too. You just get to play 8 Discard or Stubborn Denial or whatever you want to do. Snapcaster Mage Fatal Push is just a obviously absurd combination and really punishes people that are interested in killing you quickly with light resource light draws. All right, so Modern's tomorrow. What do you do? I mean, if I had to like play a legit tournament, I would probably just tweak Death Shadow a little bit and run it back, but uh, I do want to work on Grixis Shadow. How did this happen? How, how did it get to a point where I'm actually interested in playing Modern? Well, two things. Either A, you really like playing this functionally legacy deck in a world where nobody else is playing legacy decks. I think that's I'm smiling the, I, I'm smiling right now because what you're saying is true. I think that's a reasonable answer because legacy was fun when everyone was playing nonsense and you were playing a great deck. Also true. Two is that maybe standard's just not that fun right now. No, I see that's the thing. I want to play standard too. Okay. Well then let's side with answer number one. Okay. I, I like legacy <laughs> or at least playing a legacy deck when other people aren't. I like just having a million one-mana cards. I like the Thoughtseize Inquisition stuff, which is another weird talking point for the Grixis deck where, you know, your deck has five discard spells, and it's like, man, I just want to play all eight. Yeah. This is the only tournament I can remember in recent memory where I was like, I did not know whether it was turn three or turn four or turn five many times because I cast so many spells. <laughs> it's like you can basically just, like, see how see how many lands they have in play. Yeah. And like it's generally a reasonable metric, but it's like, yeah, you're stuck on two the entire game or whatever. So we we literally got asked, like, I think we were on like the backup camera, and the the spotter on the floor like turned over. He's like, hey, what are the life totals? What turn is it? And me and my opponent look at each other and we're like, turn seven? I don't know. We both had like four lands and like twelve card graveyards. <laughs> yeah, legacy. Yeah, it's fun. But- Just making lots of decisions every turn for the first four or five turns, and they're relatively impactful, is fun. Yeah, the games take twenty five minutes, and they last maybe 10 turns total matches maybe i don't know i i was mostly done with like 20 minutes to go in every round yeah but i mean if if you pit like two methodical players against each other it's gonna take for forever and they're not gonna play a lot of turns yeah that's reasonable okay standard i guess sure before the gp that happened this weekend i saw a moto list for marty vehicles that basically didn't play any red no veteran motorist and it had a um was it gosaku or clyde the glide drexler it was clyde the glide drexler it had a scrap trawler and four walking blist in the main deck and i was like man this list looks really really good 
I basically had the same experience. It was like, man, this list looks dope. And then I see the 90 list from the Grand Prix, and I see this list that kind of expanded on that idea as four fatal push and walking ballista and stuff and has like a full-on transformational sideboard. Oath of Chandra, Oath of Liliana, Obnixilis, Nahiri, four release the gremlins, just like completely not messing around, you know? I don't actually think we've seen a sideboard this extreme and standard in a long, long time. Yeah, uh, and I love when this happens. Yeah, it's awesome. Just has a new deck in his sideboard. So this person, Samuel, I think, I'm not going to try and pronounce his French last name because I'm going to butcher it. Yeah, he started 9-0, 13-1-1 in the Swiss, ends up winning the tournament, and had a teammate or friend with his exact 75 also in the top four. Yeah, it's awesome. They just broke it for the weekend at least. Yep, just completely smashed everyone, and obviously I love it when that happens too. So I've wrapped her at my place, as I mentioned earlier. He was looking at this list, and he was just saying how playing the Chandras is complete nonsense because the deck is basically like white-black base now, right? I don't know if there is a better card to play than Chandra, but he was adamant that it just does horrible, horrible things to the mana. I mean, you could just, like, play the Nahiris that are in the sideboard currently. And then that would free up some slots for Fumigate or whatever if you wanted those against Black Green, maybe another Authority for Four Color Sahili. Yeah, I mean, Chandra certainly strikes me as the better main deck card, just because it's kind of in line with your Game 1A plan or whatever, but if if the mana is truly a problem. Nahiri definitely is not in line with your beatdown plan. No. I really just appreciate the Oaths. Those are super sweet, including Oath of Liliana, which has probably just been criminally underplayed the whole time, honestly. Yeah, I really like that card, and then no one played it, and it was one of the... It goes in, like, an archetype that I wasn't really playing a lot of. So I was just like, well, I guess I just trust the masses that this card is not very good, but, you know, you make, like, two or three zombies per game, and that card is sick. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing as, like, like Release the Gremlins is super high impact just because the... The two twos are functionally a card in these kinds of matchups, so mm-hmm. they really do add up. And then Oath of Chandra either gets in some chip damage or fights their planeswalkers, which I think is kind of cool and makes it easier for like your Oath of Liliana zombie tokens to actually take them down. You have a bunch of planeswalkers for your Heart of Kirins, which is sweet. Yep. Uh, I mean, what do you think attacks this deck? I don't know. It's I, I think if the format continues to be played at a high level, things are going to get pretty interesting. Where people are just going to automatically sideboard for your control plan. And then I'm not sure how much damage that does to your plan as a whole, because I don't know, like presumably you're boarding in like the oaths and the planeswalkers against black green, right? So they can board in more grindy cards, but it's not like, you know, they're going to cut their creatures and make your removal bad against them. Or it's not like your planeswalkers are ever going to be bad against them. So, you know, what do you do? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't really see how, you know, going harder on, say, trackers or your own Omnixilises is actually going to effectively counter this plan. Yeah. Having some counter spells would be helpful, but past that, I don't know. Like, when you're, when you're talking about mirror matches, if both players board into this plan, it's just like, well, your Oath of Chandra's and Oath of Liliana's and, like, Release the Gremlins are all just kind of horrendous. Yeah, I'm sure the actual 75 mirror is interesting. You, I don't know, You may, maybe you just want to try to level your opponent, because if you board incorrectly and your opponent just goes exemplar into scrounger the game might just be over on the spot i don't know i I don't think you can necessarily do that when they all just have four release the gremlins right seems so bad Mm, yeah i mean i mean bliss is not super susceptible to release the gremlins at least in the early game but i guess scrounger is is quite bad against any scenario with release the gremlins yeah especially if you're siding out creatures for these planeswalkers and stuff so i don't know maybe you just have to like re-level them with something like avison which kind of 
cleanly counters a removal spell and then assassinates their planeswalker and then you have initiative again i do like avison that was one of the cards that came up in conversation uh chandra seems very good but not castable just having more planeswalkers in general is probably good uh, this deck has what 16 red sources but four of those are aether hubs am i counting that correctly i think so but post board you can't really count spire either mm, okay hadn't thought about that you probably t- you leave in ballista and inspector and that's about it and heart of kieran so how he sideboarded in the mirror in the finals I think he took out scrap heaps exemplars and hearts oh he did take out heart all right that's interesting i guess it's just bad against like fatal push but and gremlins and just everything you know yeah do you think four color is good against this plan at all i don't know i think they probably have to change their deck a little bit too because oath of chandra oath of liliana are both absurd against the deck really yeah i think so i mean like the the deck is all about just kind of getting under its control opponents and just, like, leveraging that amount of chip damage. And just starting to do, like, two things a turn before they can. And just, like, you you hold your advantage, right? But, like, if you never get anything going, like, you don't have card advantage. You don't have a lot of, you know, great powerful threats. Like, Marvel used to be that thing, but now they're all playing Chandra. And if you're just going to lose that to, like, an Oath of Liliana zombie token and them killing all your stuff or whatever, like, you're just never going to get any traction. You're just going to get run over. Yeah, sure. I mean, it still strikes me like Whirler Virtuoso is pretty good against those cards. Yeah. I mean, I guess Rogue Refiner is... is whatever, but... Whirler is is kind of the one card. Like, it, yeah, I guess it stops their Oath of Liliana, but it's like, even if they Oath of Chandra your thing, like, you get a Thopter out of the deal? Like, Yeah, it's not great. I mean, they can overpower that pretty easily, but... I mean, do you just think that... I, clearly, just looking at the list, and these guys had a dominant performance, you could just say that, like, you know, they kind of solved it or whatever, but... I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's, it seems like their plan is very good against Black Green and probably very good in the mirror in that you kill the first couple threats and then just play a Planeswalker and ride that. That seems pretty easy to do. So I, I think against those two matchups, their deck is incredibly well built. And then I don't know how four-color factors into things. I imagine that their deck is better against the Chandra one than the Marvel one. Maybe we go back to playing Aetherworks Marvel and stuff. I don't know. This deck doesn't have a lot of good answers to Deep Fiend, so you could just set up some like aggressive lines that way. I could see that being effective. They really don't have a lot to interact with the combo either. Mm, Ballista, Disintegration, Fatal Push maybe, but not reliably. Yeah, but you're going to bring in like natural states and stuff. So it's like if you just have to kill a Ballista per game, like you just have to draw a removal spell for every Ballista they draw, like that seems kind of easy. And then if they want to keep up with three mana to Disintegrate when they're trying to cast Planeswalkers and stuff, then cool. And if they keep their little, like, their main beatdown plan, I think that's reasonably easy to deal with. I mean, odds are good. Moving forward, you would probably want at least, like, two Authority of the Consoles in this deck sideboard instead of just the one. Likely. Uh, I don't think you'll necessarily need all four release of Gremlins anymore, because if people start adopting this plan, it gets worse, I think. Yep, I agree with that, too. Just depends on what actually happens when you start playing sideboard games, you know? Like, do people just keep their main deck, and they're like, yeah, whatever, I'll just power through all the removal? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what about this really mopey-looking Teamer Energy deck? This is the Dynavolt Tower one that put a couple people in the top 16. Yeah. I mean, I love it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. <laughs> it's very similar to the decks that you were building. Yeah, I saw the original list that uh, UUF 5 to League with, but I'm not sure if they've changed them dramatically. Okay. Yeah, it looks like uh, they're mostly the same. This this is Shota, actually. Yaya 3 is Shota. Oh, my bad. 
Yeah, so still like the three Aether Thief, three Rogue Refiner, a couple flows in the main deck to deal with like Scroungers and Planeswalkers, some Counterspells and Natural Obsolescence. I don't know. I mean, I like what the deck is doing, but it doesn't really have like a cohesive game plan. It's just like cast these value cards, generate some card advantage with like Glimmer and Rogue Refiner and maybe Aether Thief, then like power through some Gear Hulks and just like deal chip damage or Dynavol Tower the whole time. Yep. <laughs> this this is a deck that is like made up of cards, but was like pretty clearly not meant to be a deck in development, I think. Sure. Yeah. I mean I mean like a tune with Ether plus Dynavolt Tower is super filthy. That's that's yeah. undeniable. Because that's basically what this deck is. It's a blue red deck splashing a mana fixer and rogue refiner. And so the the fact that, you know, this is really just a testament to how powerful a tune with Ether is with energy cards. It's like you sh- you should never be able to get away with building a deck that is splashing its mana fixer. Oh god, I think this was Ely's deck. So I th- he won the classic, and I think he only had three attunes in his deck. Dude, that was a thing at the uh, very first opens when people were playing four color Sahili, and I just I don't I don't get it. Yeah, so Ely has two Marvel, three Deep Fiend, so mostly old school. But yeah, only three attune with Aether. Just absurd to me. Uh, people were playing like three attune to Prophetic Prism. I suppose the logic being that Prophetic Prism was another thing that turns on. Uh, our Guardians blink, but I just don't think it's excusable in any way. Just let, the games where you lead on a tune, your deck just functions so much better. Yeah, man. It, it, it's just like any hand that has green source of tune is probably a keep unless you also have four more lands or whatever. Yeah. I think you can get away with keeping lots of one-landers with a tune in these kinds of decks, especially because you have like Oath of Nyssa. Um, but this, this teamer deck is... I don't know. I like it. I don't think it's very good. It's just a pile of cards. Yeah. I, I mean, you could definitely tighten it up a little bit, like Clearly there's something wrong if you're playing three Rogue Refiner, three Shielded Aether Thief, three Torrential Gear Hulk, one Whirler Virtuoso. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't have anything to add to that. It's just like It looks just like a pile of cards. I do like the main deck Natural Obsolescence. I think that is a really good choice in the format. Maybe not necessarily moving forward if this Marty deck picks up steam and you're playing against like less Heart of Kieran's overall and a lot more Planeswalkers, but I, I do think that is a good choice. Well, people are still playing four hearts, so I think Obsolescence main deck is still a good choice, especially since they're going so far as to play, like, Incendiary Flow to get rid of Scrounger. I mean, Obsolescence is another answer to that. It's fine against Black Rings. You're either going to kill a Ballista or a Gear Hulk. I think the one strike against it is the four-color deck. Yeah, sure. Are people playing four-color anymore? It, it seemed like last week that was all anyone was playing. Yeah, standard is weird right now. Things kind of just keep changing, which is which is good, but... People just keep breaking it, man. It's awesome. I don't know if I would say it's break... Oh my goodness, have you seen this four-color Sahili deck with a Soren in the main deck? That's dope. <laughs> I have seen that, unfortunately. That's not very happy. That's just the classic Chandra Flame Caller, <laughs> no red sources. Well, you have Aether Hubs, so you can backdoor into whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this card is actually castable, and you have Oath of Nyssa. It's, it's just so random. Yeah, it's like not even a card that I would want to play if I was white-black, so... Speaking of, there's a white-black control deck that also 12-3'd. This deck does not look good to me. Do not think Gifted Aetherborn is a viable strategy. Yeah, in a world of Scrap Heap Scrounger. Yeah. Uh, a lot of black-green decks were playing it for a little while, too, because they kind of said it was like a trump in the mirror, but I kind of disagree. just gets like overpowered eventually. Well, I mean, if you if you put a counter on it, I guess it's good against Mardu to some degree, but now they all have fatal pushes too. It's just like, how good can it actually be? Yeah, but I don't know what I would do in Standard. I guess, would you probably just default to working on this Mardu deck and seeing how that goes, or would you keep working on 4-color, or what? 
I'd probably just work on four color because I do think that it has the potential to actually just beat everything. It seems like black green just loses to everything now, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, I do like that. I think people mostly just figured out how to not get annihilated by news constrictor when they're on the draw. Just lots of like fatal pushes, oath of Chandra, stuff like that. What about winding constrictor? Did I say news constrictor again? Yeah, dude, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't shake it. Man, that card was in all of your sideboards. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I, I I tried that with a good old lupine prototype. Yeah, so black green seems pretty bad. People seem to seem to have done a good job adapting. The Jeskai decks I don't think are particularly good or playable. And Mardu, I think, is getting to a point where it is very good, but I'm unsure how much that's going to change now that everyone has access to the sideboard plan. The mirrors just kind of become a shit show, and well, I don't if, know. Even if they cannibalize each other, it doesn't mean the deck is bad. No, I agree. I think the deck is still really good. Like If you want to play Mardu, you should almost certainly just play the deck that won the Grand Prix. Yep, I agree. I think uh, people just figured out that breaking your back to play veteran motorist is just too high of an opportunity cost. You can just make your deck functional and have good cards up the curve. Yeah, push is the card that you actually want access to. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Mardu is good, but I think I would have a better shot at tuning the four-color Sahili deck to be good. Do you like the way that Moto has progressed with like main deck Chandra, no Marvel, no Deep Fiend, or do you like the old-school approach? I think that plan, the Oath and Chandra plan, was better against Black Green, but like only to a small degree. So, I don't know, especially if the Mardu decks are slowing down and they don't have a lot of good sideboard stuff for you, I think you just play like three Marvels and you're just kind of good against everyone. Okay. I mean, I do like Deep Fiend just as a reliable means to fight Gideon, so... Yeah, uh, I might go a little bit lower on Deep Fiend just to not be as clunky. I might add an Oath of Chandra or two, but most of it would probably be pretty similar to the updated list that I was playing after the Pro Tour. Okay. Uh, you're going to Jersey, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, not, so. not this not this week, but next week? Uh, yes. What about you? Yep, I'm going. Down to talk about four color. Probably going to try to get some games in with this Mardu deck just to get a feel for it. At the very least, see how it can, you know, adapt post-board, since I assume I'll have to play against it several times in the tournament. Dude, maybe I should stream. Dude, nice segue. I, like, got all my shit set up today. I'm going to start streaming next week. A accidental segue. All right, well, if you stream, I will definitely guest on your thing, if you want me to. What does guest mean? No, we can just, like, get on Google Hangouts or something, and we can talk while you stream. Oh, dope, yeah. That would be sweet. Got a friend of mine to set up all the technical stuff because I'm way too illiterate to figure that out, but should should mostly be good to go. So you'll have to help me with the setting up the Google Hangout stuff, but once we're there, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm down. But yeah, definitely want to try out these couple of decks. We can work on the four-color deck. Hopefully play a little bit of Modern with some Grixis Shadow because it just looks like a blast. Well, we'll also have the results from the mocks because the mocks, it's not four formats anymore. It is only standard and draft. So standard, the standard results to come out of that are actually going to be real results instead of like, oh, this person went 3-1 or whatever. What is the format of the tournament? It's just like six rounds of draft, eight rounds of standard, and I think the top four is standard or something. I don't know. So it's basically just like a baby pro tour? Yeah, kind of, because there are a lot of platinum people and standard seems very important and the GP was very impactful, but I guess uh, they had to turn in their decks Tuesday morning. So maybe not a lot of time to test. So either way, yeah, maybe someone like re-breaks black green or, 
you know, figures out a good plan for with the four-color deck, or I don't know, anything could happen. Uh, mostly agree with that. Don't actually know if you can re- re-break black-green. It's just kind of the deck where once people actually figure out how to fight you effectively and beat you when they're on the draw, I don't, I don't think there's any coming back. We'll see. Yeah, we will see, but... I don't know. You, you can't mess around with any Gonti Lord of Luxuries and nonsense like that anymore. Look, man, that came from your team. That's your fault. Uh, I guess. It's not really my fault, per se, but... Well, you didn't do anything about it, so it's your fault. I mean, they just kept hitting, you know, Torrential Gear Hulks and Sahilis off me. It's it's hard for me to argue. And just giggling nonstop, I'm uh, sure. Oh, obviously. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's about it. If we're playing Modern, we work on Grixis, but probably default to Jund. Death yep. Shadow's great. It's in Modern Masters, so that's cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. I was I was going to advocate a ban, but that's probably not going to happen now. Why would you ban some stupid creature? It's, like, not even as good as Tarmogoyf. It, it's not there yet, but I think once people figure it out, Death Shadow is truly broken. Dude. It's it's a creature. A one-mana 6-6 six, six that has Sarah Avenger text. <laughs> they banned Wild Nicottle, man. Anything is possible. Look, look. They unbanned it, you know? <laughs> well, they unbanned Grave Troll, too. Yeah. That's not a creature. I, I'm just saying that anything has precedent. Yeah, fair enough. And, and I could be wrong, obviously, but I think that the potential to build decks where you're just going super low on lands, you're, like, kind of resistant to being attacked naturally... And you have this like two turn clock backed up by disruption can be slotted into multiple different decks. Like once people figure it out, Death Shadow is potentially a huge threat to the format. Well, okay, I, I kind of take issue with the multiple different decks thing because they're all going to have like the same twenty black cards or whatever, and then you just pick and choose whatever splash or double splash you want, which is just full of Modern's best cards. You know, so they are functionally the same deck. Yeah, I mean you're right, but like the the fact that you can just like take this established shell and just kind of tweak it however you want per weekend or you know whatever you want to do is pretty gross dude that's what all the black green decks do except now you just have it in mono black yes and they're they're also 18 land decks yeah no i mean that part of it is kind of gross but it's like you can't put every one mana card on the watch list no you're right but but dude like once everyone is starting to play legacy with you are you really gonna have fun anymore I will, yeah. I like Legacy. I certainly like Legacy more than Modern. Oh, man. You're you're really not helping me out with this metaphor here, but that's okay. I get it. If this is what the format becomes, it is not magic anymore. But yes. I think this is just one deck in the format, and I think that's okay. I think there are enough removal spells. I think it has been one week, and like people adapted reasonably. You know, like The deck still did well, right? But... It wasn't like it dominated again or anything. You and Justin were two of the best people in the tournament, and you both made top eight, and that could have happened with ham sandwiches and whatnot. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. But, at the, yeah, at the same time, it's like the, the Death Shadow decks are relatively unexplored. They're still underdeveloped. You know, there's still a ton of work to be done on them. It is kind of weird for a deck to just, like, sort of show up, and granted this deck had been around for two months, but just, like, sort of show up and, like, already establish itself as tier one like that does not happen in modern very often so it is kind of scary but like the the rest of the format gets time to adapt too so i think that's kind of a wash yeah i mean i'm not saying it's over i'm not calling for a ban but i think just the fact that we're at the floor right now and it's already so powerful and clearly so good there's a potential for a very very high ceiling that is problematic there's a lot of problems though too it's just like street wraith is maybe a problem maybe mr's bobble's a problem 
having eight very good one mana discard spells, like having a lot of really powerful one and two mana threats, like it's just all of these things added up, and I don't think Death Shadow is necessarily at fault here. Uh, I, I mean, it probably is Street Race fault, to be completely honest. Like, fetch Shocklands? I mean, if you want to well, blame I, something... I, yeah, I mean... Let's so, get the fetch Lands out of here, alright? Fetch Lands are the problem with everything, but I don't think they're going anywhere. They're not. I mean, those are also in Modern Masters, so... Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Point being, I think there's a lot of room to explore various Death Shadow shells of, you know, 20 default cards plus 40 extras, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm going to be there. It's it's like the only thing that makes me want to play Modern right now, so... Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, at least for now. I think I'm going to keep having fun. But then, yeah, you can switch off to Abzan or whatever. No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do this for a little while, enjoy myself, and then uh, maybe pick up some, some bird tokens again. That's uh, oh not in the foreseeable future. Oh god! All right, if you're if you're streaming bird deck, I'm not gonna hang out. I only want to hang out if we're playing standard or Death Shadow. Oh man, that's not very nice. Well, at least I know how to get rid of you if I ever you know <laughs> really need yeah. to. Uh beats. Where's Raptor? Raptor, you ready? Come here. He's coming. He's coming. It He's sounds coming. like that took a lot of effort out of him. We, we need a that's game. However you want to say it. I get to say that's game, and then I can leave. Yeah, I'm done. It's over. Or, or in other words, that's game.